0: Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 25 of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. My name is Steve Webb, and we're so glad you're with us today. Pastor Bennett's subject is, What is a Christian? His scripture is Acts 26, 1-3. Let's open our Bibles and see what Pastor Bennett has for us. Pastor?
0: This morning, I want to talk to you about what is a Christian. And for our text, we're going to go to Acts 26, verses 1-3, where we read the following. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for you myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. I want to talk to you about a universal question this morning that people ask, what is a Christian? Given the opportunity, every Christian should have an answer to give. Though personal testimony is good, what is called for is a personal experience. I must be able to tell others out of my personal experience what it means to me to be a Christian. There are three things that are brought out in this uh, scripture by Paul. And uh, the following verses. May I say that Christianity does not need me or anyone else to defend it; it will defend itself. However, in Paul's defense before Agrippa of the Jewish accusations, there are three things brought out by Paul that I think are worthy of noting this morning. First of all, was Paul presented the gospel of the resurrection? Acts 26 and verse number eight says. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? The Jews who were wanting Paul dead did not believe in a physical resurrection. Paul did and preached the same. When Paul was going to defend himself, he started by proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. Christianity is a religion of the living and not the dead. The first thing you must believe as a Christian is that Jesus arose from the grave and because he lives, we too shall live. The second thing that Paul brought out was the gospel of the kingdom. In Acts twenty six fifteen, he said, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Notice Paul calls Jesus Lord. The word Lord is a kingly word and is used in reference to a kingdom. Lord and king are synonymous. Paul wants Agrippa to know that there is a kingdom in Christianity. However, it is a spiritual kingdom, and if you and I are to be followers of Christ, we must be a part of that kingdom and make him Lord in our lives. This is a spiritual kingdom, and that is where the disciples before the resurrection made their mistake. They and all the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah who would set up an earthly kingdom, throw off the Roman bondage, rule and liberate them, from their bondage. Jesus came to liberate from bondage, indeed, but it was from the bondage of sin. He died that we might belong to a kingdom of men and women set free from sin by the King Jesus. So the second issue in being a Christian is to make Jesus the Lord or King of your life. The third thing that Paul brought out was the gospel of pardon. He said in Acts twenty-six seventeen b and 18, I now send you, Jesus said, to open their eyes in order to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul here moves to the message which he learned on the Damascus road. He was called to take the message of pardon from the sin to the Gentiles. He who had been the chief persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ had been pardoned from his sins and now he was to carry that message to the Gentiles. And what was that message? Jesus forgives sinners and fully pardons them. Here then is the third thing you must believe. If you are to be a Christian, Jesus has pardoned you and your sins are forgiven. When these three are fully realized, they bring man to a better understanding of Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This was Paul's message in a nutshell. It should also be our testimony. Put this into practice in your life, and you will truly be a Christian, not in word only, but in experience and reality. Now follow me as I find one of the most interesting studies I've done in some time. It is a comparison of the soul and the Christian. I believe this can help determine what it means to be a true Christian. You see, we live in an age when... Many call themselves Christians, but do not begin to live up to the Bible standard of a Christian. Watch as we make a comparison of the soul and the Christian. First of all, the soul is spread through all the members of the body, and the Christian is spread through all the world. One of the greatest testimonies of the Church has come out of Communist China in the past few years. In spite of tremendous opposition The church has prospered and has had outstanding growth. It has been an underground church, but the fact is there is a church in the middle of hatred and unbelief. You see, friend, the church is alive and well and growing wherever people are hungry for God. Secondly, the soul dwells in the body, but is not part and parcel of the body. The Christian dwells in the world, but is not a part or a parcel of the world we are called upon by God to live in, but not be a part of the world. Let me repeat that. We are called upon by God to live in, but not be a part of the world. Jesus taught us to not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. We cannot love two masters. Why? Because these two powers oppose each other, and we must realize we are in a war. Thirdly, though the soul itself is invisible. It is shut up in a visible body. The Christian is in a visible world, but that world has made them invisible. The world does not want the Christian to be known, and as such they have tried their best to make the Christian invisible. As far as the world is concerned, they would be very happy if the Christian would disappear from the face of the earth. The true Christian is a constant condemnation to the world. We dare to speak out against abortion, same sex marriage, and a lot of other evils in our world. God grant us the courage to continue to do everything in our power to be visible in a world that would make the Christian invisible. Fourthly, the flesh, though suffering no wrong from the soul, hates and makes war against the soul. Why? Because the flesh is hindered from dwelling in the passions it so loves. The world, though suffering no wrong from Christians, hates them. Why? The Christian opposes the passions it so loves. The soul and the Christian fight the same battle. Some years ago, I was having a conversation with David Wilkerson, who started Teen Challenge. He told me it was very difficult to see a gay person converted because they so enjoy the lifestyle they are caught up in. But he went on to say, They are tremendous Christians when born again and leave that lifestyle. The true Christian, though hated by the world, still fights on with the hope of bringing even one soul to Jesus Christ. The soul loves the flesh, which hates it. The fifth point is, the true Christian loves the people of the world, though hated by them. Perhaps the most amazing verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This verse tells us of God's love for a world that has rebelled against him and rejected his own Son. Jesus constantly showed that love to a lost world, and every Christian is called on to carry that same love to a lost world. Point number six is, The soul is locked up in a body and is the thing that holds the body together. Remember, the soul is our emotions, our will, etc. The Christian is locked up in the world and is the thing that holds it together. The world has tried everything to make it secure, but has missed the the only answer to its dilemma, and that is Jesus. As a Christian, I have the privilege of sharing my faith with the world that I am in. I cannot leave until I am called home, so I might as well be busy for Jesus now. How can I say it? Shut in, but not shut up. Praise God. Seventh, the soul is immortal. It is lodged in a mortal tenement. The Christian, though immortal, is lodged up in the world which is mortal. The present world is passing away. We are eternal beings, and as such, have this hope within us. The Bible tells us we are strangers here. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Though we are among the corruptible, we are looking for that which is incorruptible. We are aliens here for we have a heavenly citizenship and are part of a heavenly kingdom. Then we must live like it. Eighth, the soul, when not partaking of temporal things of life, such as food and water, Drink still fares, the better. The Christian, when persecuted, shows a daily increase. Daniel and the three Hebrew children in, in the Old Testament are great examples for us. They were in a foreign country, foreign land, captive of a strange government, called on to partake of strange food, and they refused. And the result was God bless them, and they were better off than any of the king's men. That is the case for the Christian today. We are constantly hearing testimonies from missionaries of God's care and blessing on them and the Christians who they are ministering to. Let me conclude by saying this. We have attempted to show what it means to be a true Christian in today's world. To summarize, God calls us to share the gospel of the resurrection, the gospel of the kingdom, and the gospel of pardon. Also, we are to live in the world but not... Of the world. We are to share our faith so that we are not invisible, though we are persecuted for our faith. We are to love our persecutors and we are to trust God to prosper us in this world. This does not mean financial prosperity necessarily, though it might. The Bible says, My God shall supply all your need, not all your wants. I pray this will help each of us determine what a Christian is in a world where the term Christian has lost its meaning. Paul concludes on his great statement about God by stating in Romans 11:36, b to whom be glory forever, amen. You see, all these things I've mentioned must have this as their main theme, to glorify God. Listen now to the words of a great old hymn by Fanny Crosby, who is a very popular writer of hymns in recent centuries to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O oh, come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, for great things he hath done. O oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes this moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning for the wonderful privilege and opportunity of sharing our faith with those that listen to this podcast. Oh God, if there's anyone listening today who needs to accept Jesus as their Savior. May they understand that they can and give God the glory for great things he hath done. Lord, he's changed our lives. He's made us a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we thank him for that. God, touch lives and touch hearts today, and we'll give you the praise and the glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen.
1: What a privilege it is to share our faith. In the day in which we live, we must not take it for granted. Thank you for that message, Pastor. Next week, Pastor Bennett will talk about why we should be thankful. Feel free to write to Pastor Bennett at Pastor B at lifespringmedia.com. Let him know your thoughts. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and
0: give you peace.